Fuck this, I'm just going straight to it. We had a kick six. Uh, Ooh, we had a kick, kick six. six. Kick six. Uh, Hello and welcome to All Four Quarters, your one-stop shop for news, views, and overreactions to all things NFL. Week three is in the books. It was exciting, some surprise results, and we've got uh, got some uh, maybe first quarter considerations of where we were right or wrong. So hey, we got Connor here, and we got Ronan. Hello. We've been uh, we've been ditched by Sean as he's decided he wants to go on holiday and hang out with his loved ones more than he wants to hang out with us. So uh, screw you, Sean. Is it a holiday if you end up in that loan? I don't know. Like. That's true. It's some, some, some kind of like, you know, horrific pilgrimage where you suffer, uh, I suppose, is probably the closest. But uh, no, he's, he's, he's enjoying a few days off now up the up the West Coast and then onwards to Athlone. So uh, I hope he's enjoying himself. He has managed to get his picks into us so he won't fall too far behind in the picks category, which we'll, we'll come on to later on. But I suppose, how's tricks down in Cork for yourself? Yeah, so the project that I've been talking about for I think like two or three months at this point is finally in the can, as it were, or the closest mm. you can in terms of software development. So that'll be pushed out on Wednesday. And then, uh, yeah, as I mentioned, uh, once September's over, October begins and lots of interesting plans for that. So I'll be heading up to Galway this weekend. We've got the London game going on. I need to get home at some point. There's a few work um, social engagements as well as buttering us up. Uh, to perhaps get us back into the office soon but uh, <laughs> yeah just glad to get out of the way that's about a year's wor- worth of work out of the way and uh, you now can enjoy the power of Enquiry Predict which I'm sure all of our listeners are fascinated about <laughs> cl- using simulation to predict clinical trial milestone timing like I'm sure I'm, I'm sure in the Venn diagram there's at least one person out there who's listening to it who has come in contact with that software <laughs> so it'll be, uh, it'll be fun there's, there's one super enthusiastic one uh, off of that yeah no up here I've got my first day back in the office uh, next week since since uh, COVID broke out so it'll be fun uh, and we are closing on our house so Friday week should be collecting keys and and not moving because there's a fair bit of work that needs to be done but uh, getting all that process underway so it's at the moment a lot of uh, spreadsheets and work plans and figuring out like Okay, if there if it's a twenty two week wait for a sofa, when do we have to order it if we want it for Christmas? Kind of thing. Uh, the answer is two months ago, uh, which is uh, not great. Uh, but no, very exciting times. Looking forward to it. I suppose we should uh, move on and take a look at some of the news from around the league. Uh, we had a couple of player signings or transactions. So Carolina have traded tight end Dan Arnold and a 2022 third round pick for cornerback CJ Henderson and a 2022 fifth round pick. This comes after an injury to cornerback JC Horn. So he's going to be out for most of the season. So this helps them shore up that, uh, that, that, that back end. Because let's be honest, this has been... A surprise. We'll come to it. It's one of the questions that the listeners sent in, and uh, we're going to have to hold up our hands and be a culpa this, or at least I will. The Carolina Panthers are a lot better than I was expecting them to be this year. Yeah, well, the mea culpas, I'll be taking even more pie in the face. But, like, look, <laughs> look, CJ Henderson, the rumours in the offseason is that, uh, I don't know, him and the, the new management don't gel. Obviously, they had a major change over there in Jacksonville uh, in the offseason with Erwin Meyer coming in and him kind of having a lot of control now. And CJ Henderson doesn't have the right attitude or whatever. Um, and Carolina have been relatively opportunistic uh, because they've basically traded a you know mediocre tight end and a third for someone who was picked in the top 10 
um, only a year ago. So that's pretty good business overall. Um, and considering that JC Horn is out, um, that's definitely something that they needed to shore up. So look, I think obviously when when any if you have these kind of first round busts in inverted commas, though Sidney Anderson's play hasn't necessarily been so bad to be considered a bust at this juncture, then I think you know there's a reason they're picking the top ten. You saw stuff on tape that you have, and then Matt Rule presumably thinks that he can get something out there. And I think uh, for I think the big fantasy output of this was that, that Tommy Tremble is now the tight end one in Carolina and everyone's getting really hyped up for him. So if you're into <laughs> fantasy, uh, pick up Tommy Tremble, apparently. Yeah. And Kansas City decided to jump on board the hype train. Josh Gordon, who's recently been reinstated by the league after uh, several kind of failed uh, uh Drug convictions, mostly for weed, but other substances as well, has now come back. Kansas City have decided to sign him. They have decided they've seen enough of uh, Demarcus Robinson and and uh, all these chaps at their at their wide receiver two position and want to take a punt on uh, on Josh Gordon. Which, to be honest, he's playing for vet minimum. Uh, it's a very low risk option for them to take it to take a shot on, I suppose. So. Why not, really? Unless they had a really high-value seventh wide receiver that they were holding on to, which they did not. Yeah, and they don't have anyone on the roster like Josh Gordon, that kind of size-speed combo. Obviously, you know, he's into his 30s now, as weird as it kind of is to go on about that. But uh, look, I think given the talent that we've seen in spurts, even when he's come back again and again, um, I don't see why you wouldn't take a punt on him or someone wouldn't take a punt on him. And obviously with KC, they... It's going to be the you know it's going to be the Hill and Kelsey show. So if he can succeed as a wide receiver tree or something like that, then um, he he will have the best chance he can at a team like Casey and an attacking uh, passing attack like that. No, of course we had a couple of injuries around the league. So um, Carolina's running back Christian McCaffrey has injured his hamstring. Uh, they're saying two to six weeks, although news then came out that they're saying it's less than a grade one level damage, which means it could be quicker, but. You know yourself, in all these spots, they tend to always like to suggest that it'll be quicker. Um, it obviously pushes uh, Chuba Hubbard into the, into the starting role there for Carolina, which will be uh, interesting to see. Um, but look, at least it's not anything more serious given McCaffrey's kind of injury history in the last year or two. Yeah, like I think if you're a Carolina fan, you're probably getting flashbacks to last year where Matt Rule kind of never ruled out. McCaffrey for what felt like the entire season mm. he then played like one game I think it's like late on and then was shut down for the rest of the year I think given what we're hearing right now we don't think it's that bad but uh, certainly uh, I think you know you saw even within the game when they lost him how much of a step back that offense took now it's not a complete disaster I think it's better than last year without him but uh, yeah look Christian McCaffrey is one of the few running backs who defines the offense basically creates his own offense around him and um, probably only like Derrick Henry is anywhere near that um, so I think this is a huge loss for Carolina and I'm sure they're hoping to get back as soon as possible but we know with these hamstring injuries that they have a tendency to kind of re-aggravate themselves and kind of be difficult over an entire season but look Christian McGaffrey even at 90% or 80% is still one of the best running backs in the league. 100%. Uh, New Orleans offensive tackle Teron Armstead has done his arm he's going to be gone for two to six weeks this is obviously a knock to them They've been, again, a little bit more spicy than maybe we were expecting, but they've been very hit or miss. Uh, this is going to damage them somewhat because Jameis Winston, he, he had some very interesting throws in the most recent game. When he's not protected, he will still go for it, is the thing. So uh, sometimes the offensive tackle isn't so much trying to stop him getting hit as to, to allow him to pass the ball before he's like hitting it and falling backwards and hoping that it gets completed. Yeah, like, look, Armstead's a guy who has dealt with, you know, some 
relatively minor injuries uh, several times over the last few years and the Saints have usually been pretty good at kind of filling in the gap um, I believe James Hurst is who they'll expect to take over this time look it'll definitely be a step back we know that Jay, like uh, that Teron Amstead can be a Pro Bowl to all pro level tackle but uh, I think that offense right now is a bit sputtering anyway um, so I don't think this alone would be the reason why the offense might take a step back. Uh, there's definitely more systemic issues there. Um, but they seem to be, yeah, as you say, very up and down so far. So it'll be interesting to see how they uh, adjust to this. Denver wide receiver KJ Hamler has uh, torn his ACL and he's now gone for the season. This is a Denver team, again, that is kind of surprising us a little bit. But I'd also, it's one of the few that I definitely would say, pump the brakes a little bit. They are 3-0, and but their opponents are 0-9. So it's not exactly a murderer's row they face so far. But KJ Hamler, they were hoping for kind of larger things out of him this season. They do still have a lot of mouths to feed on that offense, and Teddy Bridgewater looks to be managing it fairly okay. How big of an impact do you think this is going to have on them? Yeah, so like KJ Hamler would probably have been their uh, wide receiver three or four, kind of competing with Tim Patrick at the start of the season. He was mm-hmm. drafted highly at the beginning of last year, so he, you know he's obviously uh, valued enough by the regime as a whole but uh, look I think you know they have Tim Patrick they have Cortland Sutton they have Noah Fant they have two good running backs I don't think this is a devastating situation and I imagine that they'll be able to find someone I think for KJ Hamler his main role was to kind of be the speed change of gaze wide receiver who could potentially have those big plays but I think we've seen enough from Cortland Sutton that he can um, fulfill that role and, and I don't think it'll be a huge too, huge, too much of a miss um, but yeah obviously you know coincidentally they might start losing games um, now that they play real teams but uh, probably not because of this injury yeah no that's fair enough and uh, just another one Andy Reid following the LA Chargers at KC game was hospitalised uh, Saban said that he felt a little bit ill and it was done more precautionary than anything else they've not made a statement on what it was there was a lot of rumours around that it was dehydration but um, look we've got nothing solid on it but we haven't heard anything about him continuing to be ill or anything so hopefully all is good there uh, the only other major news we have is that uh, wildcard weekend has decided to change up its format a little bit so obviously as people who've watched the sport for a few seasons will know once you get to wildcard weekend as there's no longer um, the college football on Saturdays the NFL likes to kind of expand into the space and take over as much of the uh, as much of the uh, the television time and therefore advertising dollars that it can and the new proposal now is to be playing Two games on Saturday, three games on Sunday, and a game separate on the Monday. I do think this causes a big issue of that there is a like a marked disadvantage to the team that's going to come out of this Monday game and have less time to prepare for its upcoming uh, its upcoming uh, divisional round game against whoever's playing, whoever came through on the Saturday or the Sunday. Or, woe betide if they happen to be going up against the ones who got the bye week. Yeah, and I think... You would imagine that uh, anyone who plays on the Monday would be guaranteed an opportunity to play on the subsequent Sunday and not be put on the uh, Saturday slate for the uh, divisional round. But yeah. look, we don't we don't know if the NFL is playing that fair or not. They may just have their own kind of systemic way of dealing with. It. But like, look, like I think you know from their perspective, you know, I think getting an extra day, having the hype go on a little bit longer, and fulfilling the Monday night slot, and either selling that separately or tying it into the Monday night football package makes a lot of sense financially so I can really understand why this is happening but yeah I think you know if there ends up being a situation where a short week um, ends up with like the first few years someone getting absolutely hammered then I'm sure questions will be asked but uh, you know money talks like that's just the way the NFL is it's a business as all the players like to tell us 
no, of course. Um, as you say, that always that always kind of uh, makes decisions for them. A whole extra day of advertising dollars will uh, will do the job. Uh, I suppose we'll move on. We'll have a look at the games from last week. So first up, we have Chargers at Kansas City AFC West bout that went to thirty to twenty four to the Chargers. Uh, Kansas City were sloppy in this one and had four turnovers that ultimately were what cost them the game to the Chargers. Uh, Chargers did try to charge though; they had uh, flags, they had clock management, they had some sort of strategic miss errors in this game. Particularly, I'll point out that like at the end of the game, them going for the touchdown was well, they still won the game. Completely stupid, because. The Chiefs had one timeout left. The guys had first down on the 12, I think it was. Um, all they needed was to kick a field goal. They could have just ran the clock down and then kicked the field goal and not given any time back. So just some very simple, bad management decisions made by them. Uh, Mahomes, 305 yards and three touchdowns. Looked okay, but did throw two interceptions. I would put, I wouldn't put the first one on him. The one that came off the um the the tight end's uh, hands, yeah. the tight end's hands. Uh, but look, the pressure that was coming from the Chargers' defense was very good. The catch they did particularly actually that one that I blame the tight end. The actual catch made by the safety was incredible, and it was a very athletic play from their defense. Um. Herbert looked pretty good, 281 yards and four touchdowns. Had a really good kind of accuracy on some of the deep passes and stuff. You could see the mistakes he was making in places, but it was overall a very good performance from him. Um, as I said, ultimately, this is a KC team that was sloppy on the day, and that's what cost them. Uh, they, I will say, random things that were positive for me. The run defense looked a good bit better, um, which, you know, you're, you're not going to see it as much in this game when you lose and this pisses you off. Uh, equally, four turnovers you'd hope wouldn't be a, a common occurrence uh, in this type of spot. Uh, but no, it made for a very exciting game. A lot of people find it weird that I quite enjoyed it down in the pub, but it was like, look, my team might have lost, but this was a hell of a game all the way down to the to the big deep shot with three seconds ago that was definitely had two players being held and the refs fucking wrapped it from us. Uh, what about your thoughts? <laughs> I think Rob was a bit strong like uh, you robbed yourself that, oh that's we definitely did we definitely thing. did but they also robbed us too yeah so I, I think it's a situation where like you know as a KC fan it's easy enough to, 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 to take it because you can see that you know this was just a lot of self-inflicted mistakes like all, all those turnovers are just things like obviously some of them were unlucky like you said like the first one but some of the other ones were just you know not like just mistakes and things that you would want to take back and if you have four turnovers then it's always going to be very difficult for you to win a game. Um, and the Chargers, while they you know, made hard work of it, um, were able to get enough value out of those turnovers to eventually win this game. And I think like it was definitely a situation where you know, the, the, the Chargers were definitely at times wilting under the headlights. There was definitely times where you know, I felt like uh, Brandon Staley, their head coach, was definitely pushing the envelope just to kind of not like have the view that they kind of didn't go for it, they didn't go for it, like especially like that last drive where, you know, it was fourth and four, and then they did the, they had a false start, and they're like, uh, okay, let's just go for it anyway. I think that was like, that, like to me, this psychologically felt like a really important game for the Chargers. Mm-hmm. I think for Kansas City, obviously they would like to win, but it didn't feel to the same level as that kind of psychic, um, like level of like, um, importance to the KC. I think they, to a certain extent, maybe they could have taken this game a little bit more, yeah. um, 
<laughs> more seriously and maybe they wouldn't have these like silly mistakes um but i think like look their defense the chargers defense did step up i think Bosa had a pretty good game and the rest of them had mahomes at least somewhat unsettled like he's pat mahomes he still has over 300 yards um but he did have you know one interception probably his fault and then one you know ball that he probably overthrew to his tight end but probably should still have caught and you're kind of going okay like like that that that's definitely progress because the chargers defense you know has been very up and down so far this season um and i think but like for me obviously justin herbert like he still didn't have that breakout game where he absolutely destroys the opponents like you know 281 yards four touchdowns that's really good game but it's not quite you know all world destroyer against the defense which you know i think he's uh it's pretty good on third down in the pressure situations where the exotic packages can be used but it's pretty it's pretty soft on early downs and it's not like the chargers ran the ball a huge amount in this game i think they only had like a 11 rushes for eckler for example so mm-hmm. but i think for for the chargers i think the main thing was them was to not make mistakes. Obviously, this is a team that has been historically <laughs> had many issues, and they did have a couple of. I think they had a missed field goal in this game. I think for them, it was just really important to play a mostly clean game of football, take advantages of the the uncharacteristic mistakes from the Chiefs, and then just get the win. And the fact that they wouldn't let it go down to a kicker like failure, I don't know if that's some kind of psychological thing as well. But yeah, like look the the clock management at the end of letting KC have one final drive, even if it was like like 40 seconds or so, was a mistake in my opinion, but um, we'll let them away with it. I think to a certain extent, it seemed like what they were saying afterwards is that they wanted to be aggressive, they wanted to get touchdowns, that it was some kind of larger meaning to it, and uh, you know, they won the game, so they can't complain too much uh, about the whole situation. But like, look, for the Chargers, a huge, huge win for KC. I'm not getting word yet that they're below 500. Uh, they just need to cut out the silly mistakes, and they could easily have been 3-0. Oh yeah, look, it's uh, it's good. It's a tough, it's a tough three line to start with as well. Uh, Green Bay at San Francisco up next, thirty to twenty eight. Uh, look, definitely seems to be we, we we laughed about the we mentioned there that they gave Mahomes forty seconds or so in the clock to do it. Thirty seven seconds was definitely enough to leave for Aaron Rodgers to set up a winning field goal. He threw for two hundred sixty one yards and two touchdowns. Uh, San Fran took their first lead in the final minute of this game. They were never really looking comfortable. Adams had a big game, 132 and two touchdowns, and Jones nearly 100 with a touchdown. They led the attack. Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, interception, fumble, 250 yards. Like he's, he's keeping the job, but I'm not sure if he's really justifying staying in it longer term. I'm not sure how much this is going to feed into pressure to Lance coming in a little bit more. Um, Green Bay defense looked a little bit better, three sacks and a couple of QB pressures and hits, but uh, yeah, this was the Rogers show. This was them going to town, going into town in San Fran and saying, look, we're what, what, what you thought we were. The week one was a blip or and the first half of week two was also a blip. Uh, they can, they can still ball out if they want to. Uh, no, it wasn't, it wasn't mind blowing by any stretch of imagination, but this is a, San Francisco team that's built on having a good defense and and, and, and and being able to kind of play a relatively um relatively mistake-free game. So fair dues to them for, 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 for getting as far as they did, but it did feel like Rodgers, once he had that time left on the clock, was going to be able to bring them down there regardless. Yeah, I think the big thing if you're a Green Bay fan is that it's now easy to forget week one where the offense basically just completely tanked against New Orleans and last week against the Detroit Lions they they look fine 
in the second half and then they got going and it was just good to see a continuation this week where Rodgers, Adams and Jones all look to be getting back to the type of form that has characterised them for the last couple of seasons under LaFleur. I think just getting the ship steadied and getting a win here is obviously really good, is very important and obviously getting a drive with 37 seconds with no timeouts to get that field goal and to get a set up Mason Crosby who's also having a, a bit of a late, say, late career resurgence. Um, overall, uh, it's just, you know, I think that's really important psychologically for the Green Bay Packers to say, we're back, Ori LAX, relax, etc., etc. Mm. Um, basically, that, like, the one game crisis, uh, identity crisis is now over. Um, if they continue to play like this, I imagine they'll beat most teams in the NFL. Um, so I think for them, that worked and the defense was mostly fine. They had a couple of turnovers and they, they didn't make Jimmy G's life easy. Um, I think the, if you're a Green Bay fan, the only thing to worry about is, of course, that they, they led most of this game and at various points had a pretty significant lead. Um, I think they were like uh, up by 10 at some point. Um, so, you know, you, you generally don't like to see a situation where a team can keep going back, especially because the 49ers are already, as <laughs> seems to be typical since, uh, since Shanahan got in there, shorthanded. Obviously, we know they've had all those running back injuries. You know, we know Mostert's out. Elijah Mitchell didn't play in this game. Trey Sermon uh, played, but he only played, I think, like um, half, the, half the snaps after coming off a concussion last season. So they ended up playing, like, Kyle Juszczyk as their running back on a lot of plays, which... You know, isn't great. Obviously, playing your fullback and running back is generally not a sign of a of a healthy roster. And they had a few like drops and stuff. And we know that the defense and the defensive backs, like Jason Verrett's gone. They're just, yeah. I think San Francisco is already showing a little bit of the wear and tear that seems to disproportionately affect them every season. But look for Jimmy G, like another, I don't know, kind of confusing out outcome. Uh, like game for him. If you're a San Francisco fan, like Trey Lance made the you know late game uh, cameo to get the touchdown that actually put them ahead in this game that only like wet the appetite of fans I imagine to see a bit more of Trey Lance at least in kind of a Taysom Hill type role you would imagine mm-hmm. and but Jimmy G just seems to just every week he just seems to be doing just enough so that you don't want to get rid of him or you can't feel justified like pulling the cord straight away for Trey Lance who obviously is a rookie and very raw and stuff like that um, you know like last week his first half was terrible but he was okay in the second half week one he was you know, generally up and down, he was only okay then as well. So for San Francisco fans and for San Francisco coaching staff, it must be a very frustrating position to be that, that like Trey Lance obviously wasn't ready enough to play week one, but Jimmy G isn't really showing enough to make you want to, believe, as you say, believe him to be the long-term starter, but not playing bad enough that you can feel justified in pulling him completely. So yeah, I think for San Francisco... Look, they're they're two and one, which is actually kind of a problem in the NFC West, where both Arizona and the Rams are are three and zero. Oh, but uh, I think overall they're they're still a good team. We know that they're well coached, and I think they can get through this injury issues and still be a very solid team. I just think you know, because of the division and because they're in the wild card hunt, uh, it's just a matter of whether it'll be enough to get them into the playoffs at the end of the season. But uh, for now. Like the fact that they kept in the game is good, but uh, yeah, for Green Bay this is important. This is a big game win and uh, one that puts them back on the map as an NFC favorite. Yeah, it is interesting that it almost get a uh, you almost get a sense of San Fran almost playing to the area code of their of their uh, of of their opponents. Like you know, they kind of they're close and thereabouts in this. When they win previously, they were whatever two points over Philadelphia. Like those are. This Green Bay team, how they played here, and that Philadelphia team, how they played, that are two very different levels of team, and yet they're kind of both within two points of each other in it. It's a, it's an interesting one. Um, yeah, Baltimore. It, oh, go ahead. Sorry. And like in, in both games, they kind of had to come from behind. They kind of had to keep chugging away. So I think, 
at the very least you can take that they, they don't have any problem to be behind it they're happy to kind of spread it out mm. um, although you know based on uh, week one where they nearly lost to the Lions well could have lost to the Lions and this week uh, where they lose with 37 seconds left maybe they should work a bit more on being ahead <laughs> yeah uh, Baltimore Detroit 19 to 17 uh, Justin Tucker gets to hit the uh, 66 yard to break the, 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 the I think that's the longest one isn't it it is the yeah that's one. the record um, although you know it should have came, came off a crossbar like I don't know uh, <laughs> it's, <laughs> if it dribbles uh, over it's still legit it's very um, good he was he was, it was, it was very good um, but this was overall a fairly poor performance by Baltimore or I suppose you could read it as just a very good performance by Detroit but I, I'm not going to do that <laughs> Lamar 287 yards a touchdown interception uh, and 58 on the ground was mostly bottled up by this Detroit defense and uh, now to be fair to him there was drops of plenty from Hollywood Brown in particular uh, Andrews caught a lot of balls but didn't do a huge amount in the end zone uh, just was kind of a safety blanket for him but yeah like the Goff was fine 200 odd yards their defense four sacks and interception did a lot of the work for them but this was like this is a Detroit Lions team that Baltimore, if they're to be believed to be the team that they are claiming to be in this league, do, should not be needing last-second walk-off 66-yard field goals to defeat the Detroit Lions. This is not this is not a a recipe for success. Yeah, I think like Baltimore probably should have won this game easily. I think Marquis Hollywood Brown had three dropped touchdowns. Two of which were just un unforgivable, mm. um, and he's obviously supposed to be your wide receiver one. Uh, maybe Sammy Watkins can can argue about that, but uh, it was just a weird game where, like, the the obvious weakness of this Detroit defense is that it's got no defensive backs right now, and um, they had very few to start the season, and more of them got injured since then, um, and are very very weak down there. And you could tell that from the fact that they had these touchdown catches that should have been and then the touchdown that they did score uh, Baltimore basically was a busted coverage and there was no one within like 50 yards it felt like of the uh, of the wide receiver so there's an obvious weakness to the Lions uh, and I realize that the Ravens have obviously succeeded greatly um, <laughs> you know in the early goings like say the Kansas City win last week by running the ball really effectively but when there's such an obvious weakness you would expect that a top level quarterback like Lamar Jackson would be able to take advantage of it and as I say maybe he's just unfortunate in the way things happen but it definitely felt like at times that you know he wasn't willing to, to sit in the pocket there was many times he he just you know basically decided to run despite the fact that there were eight guys eight Detroit guys in the box just waiting for him to you know took the ball and then they they were very very effective at getting him down on the ground quickly before he get any momentum up so it just kind of felt like they were playing to a certain extent into the hands of Detroit and they just because they had a couple of bad beats when actually doing the deep balls which actually were working very effectively um, it felt uh, kind of problematic there now he did find his safety blanket Mark Andrews for over 100 yards that's kind of almost reverting back to type to more the success that they had in the past game in previous years but yeah a little bit worrying there but I think this was just one of those weird games I think that's even more tragic because obviously the Detroit Lions are such a talent depleted team right now um, both through injury and through just the, the turnover that they're doing um, the rebuild um, that to lose this game in this fashion is just absolutely heartbreaking to have you know kept biting those ankles you know like they could you know this was a great win just like they were they, they had already like moved in with this win they were planning like what they're gonna you know what they're gonna redecorate the house with with this win <laughs> and then Justin fucker comes in and fucks their wife their win and takes it all away from them with a 66 yard 
um, field goal that boinks off the crossbar. Like, yeah, look, I, I, I know. Like. I know you and Justin Tucker haven't been the best of mates uh, over the years, Connor. But uh, you gotta respect the man for making a kick like that at the, you know, at the deck. Like, come on. No, you do. You, no, no, you do. Like, it's very good and it's very impressive. Um, I was like, God damn, I hate you, but. I respect, I respect you. you. <laughs> yeah, no, very much that kind of vibe. He is a very good kicker. I don't, I don't deny that. Yeah, I didn't talk much about Detroit because they, they kind of play as they do right now. They're just a talented team doing okay with what they have. But, you know, I think, you know, they, they just need a few good beats and they could probably get a win or two. But they're not doing much beyond that. Like, let's be honest. Yeah. Miami at Las Vegas, 28-31 thir- in overtime. I didn't think it would be this close. Um Vegas make shouldn't life it really shouldn't have they made their life harder than early pick six and a fourth down miss so Miami basically got spotted 14 points uh, Vegas went up to up 25 to 14 uh, Carr doing a very good job again he's, just, he's really looked a lot better this year I'm, I need to dig into why that is uh, 386 yards two touchdowns interception and the defense looks pretty good uh, knocking out like you know a third on th- a third of third downs only um, then Jake Brisket had to try and push in he manages to get them to overtime where Las Vegas get a field goal on the second drive like it was a it's a courageous um, game for Miami. They kept it close. They put pretty much everything into it. And I was not expecting them to be able to push it into overtime with Jake Brisket under center. But Vegas were able to wrap it up. They get their thing. It's, again, Vegas winning here, not the most convincingly. Like, it doesn't, unlike some of the other games where it's like, oh, right, there was one or two slip-ups, but overall it was a very solid performance. This was... A couple of mistakes, then a good performance for what twenty five minutes, and then back to more mistakes. Yeah, I think this is a situation where the Raiders should easily have won this game, but made their life more difficult, as you kind of said. Like to be fair, like they played the Ravens in Week One, that was a big win. They played the Steelers, who have obvious issues, and we'll talk about later, but uh, have a good defense uh, before you know some of the injuries. And yeah, I think you know Miami are. I don't think they're a good team. There's just too many holes in this roster, and even more so with the QB situation in in such a poor place with Brissett. Really, you just see the limitations so often, and he only really got back into this game by showing off a bit more of his athleticism and pulling the ball down and catching the Vegas Raiders um, a bit unawares at times uh, to get back into this game. But overall, he's not a very good quarterback. He's very much a backup, and I think he that's where he is. But like, yeah, like Miami, they got a 14, as you say, 14 to not basically easy lead um, when you know the, the the Raiders turned it over twice once by pick once with the pick six and once because they failed on fourth down in their own half and yeah like that that was just a situation where okay Raiders prove it to us this is another tough situation for you uh, what are you going to do and to be fair to them they did a lot of they did a lot of good after that um, obviously Carr is the star of the show um, when he has nearly 400 yards and he was slinging the ball like the pick wasn't great but overall he's still showing that kind of um, near to his best year I think it was like 2016 or something like that where he is near MVP he's just very effective getting the ball and, he, and I think the big thing now is that Henry Ruggs has had a year an off season to get effective he's more than happy to push it down to him um, Brian Edwards is really good in overtime but no other time I don't know that, that's a useful skill to have to some extent and Darren Waller while not as uh, focused on here uh, continues to be one of the best 
you know, chain movers in the NFL as well as being a, an explosive mm. player. And Peyton Barber uh, was actually fine uh, replacing Josh yeah, Jacobs. Yeah, he, he did. He did surprisingly well for a guy that I would have always just thought of as being like the one yard line type of running back. Yeah, and considering the overall they had in the offensive line, they could be pretty happy with how that's going. To be honest, and um, also but, it also it also fed into my own head's narrative of Kenyon Drake sucks balls. Yeah, so like we'll talk about it in the previews, but uh, look, I think there's even an even bigger test coming up, and obviously they'll have to start beating some of their in division rivals to prove that they're a you know AFC uh, contender. But right now, the Vegas Raiders do look like a playoff caliber team. They've got a good they've got a good offense, and their defense, while I still think is prone to making dumbheaded mistakes. Um, and being overly aggressive for no good reason um, is one that's definitely improved under Gus Bradley. I think the kind of simplified scheme plays into all of the kind of young talent that they've uh, accrued over the last few seasons, and they're just seeing a lot better performance by by basically working through that. Um, so that's going okay. As for Miami, like look, they're a, they're a tough nut, but as I said, they're just they're just just not very talented. And Brissett, as I said, he was brave to come back, but like you know the safety that he threw on a screen. Um, to some extent like it's just the play call is awful but him and the receiver basically did not do a good job of <laughs> of kind of hiding what they were doing so it's no surprise that Casey Hayward was able to get that safety and I think that's the first time there's been a forward pass safety or like the fourth time ever but like the first like legitimate here's an actual pass type safety <laughs> um, in NFL history the rest are all kind of weird plays that uh, are technically passes but not really uh, but yeah look I think for Miami like Tua wasn't great, Brissett isn't great. Um, I think the rumors of if Watson is available, maybe they'd be go for him with something. But I think as long as they're held back by poor QB play, the fact that this overall roster uh, works really hard and perhaps is better than some of its parts won't really match what won't really matter for most. So they're probably yeah. a team that you don't want to play. But overall, I, I'm not really sure they're a playoff team right now. No, of course. Tampa Bay at the Rams, twenty-four to thirty-four. Uh, Tom Brady takes his first loss of the season as Stafford goes for 343 yards and four touchdowns, hitting Cooper Cup for two of those and nearly 100 yards. Um, Sean Jackson went off as well, 120 yards and a touchdown. Uh, it's nice to see him still hanging around. Uh, but yeah, the Tampa Bay's defensive backs were just not at the races at all in this game. Tom Brady did his best to try and kind of keep toe-to-toe. He went for over 400 yards and a touchdown. But uh, he had a couple of missed throws. They had no run game, and there was just really nothing happening here. Uh, obviously, it's going to feel good for McVeigh to, you know, beat Tom Brady because <laughs> I'd say that's a, probably he probably remembers not being able to beat him with his uh, previous quarterback. But um, yeah, this was this was all around a a strong performance from the Rams. Kind of vindication of the going for Stafford was the right move. That they do have the pieces to try and contend with these higher up teams, and that they could maybe properly challenge this year for Tampa Bay. It was it was a, it was it was a warning sign that this is not a team that can, as it's currently built, keep up in a proper a proper at the races fight. They need to get some help on that back end of the defense, either change the scheme or pick up a player and trade or something. Uh, is, uh, have they still got chaps coming back from injury at this point or not? Yeah, so they've had a few injuries. Sean Murphy Bunting, I think mm-hmm. Jamel Dean is dealing with injuries. I think not need none of those are season ending, so I say we're okay, hoping to get them back, get them back the at some point, yeah. I think they, they're currently taking a visit today. Um, maybe by the time you listen, it'll already have happened, but uh, with Richard Sherman. So I think they are definitely looking to shore that up more because they are very 
very injured in that backfield and look the backfield was probably the defense like the cornerback specifically was probably the weakest aspect of that defense to begin with like lots of young players performing above their draft status but still not guys who you consider to be like all pro type guys like uh, well like Jalen Ramsey um so like look I think the Rams did what they needed to do like I think you see the difference that having Matt Stafford does because he He's just so much better at reading the game and doing well on third down. And basically, if there's pressure on him, he's happy to fling it up to like Deshaun Jackson. Now he's not perfect. Um, there was a few like missed opportunities to Deshaun Jackson, for example, where the pressure kind of stopped him from from leading Deshaun Jackson. And I think <laughs> Deshaun Jackson is probably had, could have had two additional touchdowns early on if things had gone uh, slightly better for Stafford. But like you just see the difference in his intelligence compared to the Jared Goff era, where you you could see that he is reading the game, he is making plays, he has a connection with Cooper Cup. Um, that that it feels special right now, and that you know Sean McVay isn't just you know trying to puppeteer the entire offense to be perfectly his. So I mm-hmm. think you you see that, and you see a team that overall in this defense has the ability to even take on one of the better offensive lines and keep Tom Brady under pressure. But like, look, I wouldn't panic if you're Tampa Bay. Firstly, the rest of your division is very questionable. Uh, but but secondly. Um, look, this is just a game where the defensive backs were hurt. The run game never got going. For whatever reason, they don't trust Ronald Jones right now. They don't trust Leonard Fournette. Like, Tom Brady was the leading rusher for the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in this game. That's not something that should happen. I don't even know. Like, I'm sure there's some crazy statistic about it. That's, a, that's probably never happened even in New England. That definitely never happened in New England. So, it's just one of those games where Tampa Bay put all the pressure on Tom Brady to perform. And to be fair to him, like 432 yards, a touchdown. He wasn't the problem here. Like he, there was probably a touchdown to Mike Evans that should happen. But overall, he was dragging uh, an offense against one of the better defenses in the league. He had Aaron Donald up in his grill a lot. Um, he had to use all of his, you know, ability to kind of get the ball away to get away with that. You know, he had to avoid Jalen Ramsey for most of this game. Um, so, and they're obviously missing Antonio Brown. Rob Gronkowski missed a part of this game through injury. So look, it's just one of those games where he had a lot of bad beats in terms of the the setting for the game, and you end up getting kicking a beating from the Rams. They were definitely dominant in this game. Tampa Bay never really looked like they were in it, especially once you got to the second half. But uh, given all of those conditions, given how good the Rams are, I wouldn't panic about it yet. But uh, we'll see how good ta- Tampa Bay are uh, when they when they get to the playoffs and they perhaps play the Rams again. Uh, but the Rams, an important psychological win to, to win in the, the home place. Yeah, and I think some of the some of that kind of movement of, of not going to running plays was to do with just situation that they were down two scores they were chasing and they couldn't really go to it but yeah, like when you when you when you've got when you've got a 44 year old quarterback or whatever like you can't just go okay Tom you're just going to run around and keep throwing and just hope that it starts working like you have to try and do something to take some of the pressure off him at that point yeah like there's going away from the run and there's like you know nine carries in the entire game now the carries weren't very effective to be fair but you know, like, like I'm not a big believer in they have to use the run to set up the pass and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, there are limits to that. And there was a, there was another case this week where that's also true. But this was another, this is in, in, for an elite team, that's not really forgivable. No, of course. Next up, oh, finally, the day has come. Cincinnati at Pittsburgh, 24 to 10. Uh, Burrow, 172 yards, three touchdowns and interception. Uh, catching up with Jamar Chase, his old buddy, for 65 and two touchdowns. Um, yeah, they did pretty much everything they needed to do as Cincinnati's defense just harassed 
Big Ben, uh, I think two interceptions, four sacks, making life miserable for him. He had 300 yards of touch and two interceptions, and that Pittsburgh O-line looked about as bad as we were guessing it might have done in the offseason. Cincinnati make a big statement win here in uh, putting their marker down, and it was very telling because you see that... um, you see that uh, this is a this is a Pittsburgh team that's built on its defense and its offense isn't going anywhere. It was missing a couple of its starters, as we talked about in the previews last week. And what do we have? We have zero sacks, zero QB hits. This is not a good, like not not just not a great. This is not a good offensive line on the Bengals, and that's the kind of numbers that they're putting up. Which leaves major question marks over Pittsburgh's after this. I will say I've got a feeling that this is the tape they're going to put on on every montage whenever they uh, whenever they want to show this is why they need to move on from Big Ben this summer. This is going to be the game that they're going to point to because this is them at home against a division rival who have weaknesses where Pittsburgh have strengths and they just crumbled. Yeah, and I think for Big Ben, the big thing is he can't move anymore. Um, he might have been moving as badly as uh, Carson Wentz and he has two sprained ankles. And basically what happened is that like one of the interceptions in this game was Big Ben kind of get going up in the pocket, realizing that he can't do anything because he's too slow and fat. Um, and <laughs> he just threw the ball away, kind of trying to get it into like to a, I think a tight end or a running back. And the, the, like to be fair, the defensive, uh, the linebacker makes an incredible interception diving backwards, basically. Uh, but that's just kind of what they can do. Like there's no other case where Big Ben, when he was younger, could move out of the pocket, get an extra few seconds, throw it deep. He, I don't know if he can even throw it deep with a clean pocket anymore, but he's not getting any clean pockets. He's not getting any help in the run game. Not because Najee Harris is bad, but because he's getting zero push from the offensive line. Like Najee Harris actually looked pretty good in the overall, uh, but he's just, you know, there's just so little offensive potential for this Pittsburgh team. And with the defense missing TJ Watt, missing the defensive tackle, having a few other injuries, suddenly they turn into a terrible defense with, as you say, zero QB hits, never mind sacks. Um, so just a very questionable output for Pittsburgh and you have to worry that this could be a full-on collapse season if they keep playing like this but at least for Cincinnati hey Connor it's happening right two and one they beat their rival in the division now they still gotta get through the fucking Ravens and Browns but hey I'll take it as a Bengals uh, home yeah if you can. it was it was beautiful man. Um, it, was just, it was just nice to see and like look it wasn't it wasn't a classic like Burrow was still sub 200 yards with three touch like three touchdowns to an interception you'll take that any day uh, they got the run game going it was it was it was nice Nice to see. Um, yeah, and yeah. the fact that the defense is getting pretty good, it feels like that's making progress. That's yeah. a huge step forward because then you don't have to put the pressure on Burrow. Who, like, like the one note of caution is he definitely doesn't look like he did in, in last season. But uh, yeah. he doesn't look like a complete. Like, he looks fine. It's just you're kind of waiting if as the season goes on maybe he'll get more comfy and get back to what we know he can be as an explosive dynamic playmaker yeah no of course and, uh, next up Arizona at Jacksonville 31-19 to 19. fuck this I'm just going straight to it we had a kick six uh, we had a kick, kick six. six kick six, uh, kick it's, six. it's incredible it's incredible <laughs> this is where they, they, they went for the uh, they went for the field goal it came up short because they were going for like a 64 yard or something along those lines yeah a lot of field goal attempts yeah so they, they, they left a returner back there who I believe took uh, took a punt to the house or took a kickoff to the house last yeah, Jamal, week. Jamal Agnew is, is a very good returner. Yeah, and uh, and he just brought it all the way back. It was great. So Jacksonville blow a 17-9 to lead that was built on, you know, 
very safe, simple offense, basic defense in the kick six. But Kyler then decided he's going to go and kick it into gear. So he went for 316 yards. He found AJ Green. Yes, this is where AJ Green is these days. Uh, you may not have noticed. Although I think he did some stuff last week as well. But 112 yards on uh, Christian Kirk, 104 yards to set up some like very quick goal line rushing TDs. Um, yeah, it was it was it was a weird one because like I remember watching these games live at the time and thinking what is going on Jacksonville are winning and the Lions are winning like is everything gone upside down um but yeah no it was it was it, it was very good uh pick six was a turning point as Arizona were able to just kind of take it away and Lawrence kind of crumbled a bit at the back end it was not great from 219 yards and a touchdown two interceptions and two fumbles like it's uh, I don't I don't know if it's like if it's a quality of surrounding talent because there's players on this Jacksonville team who were there last year and were performing at a higher level last year I don't know if it's a the game is too fast he's not quite the immediate transition to the NFL that they were hoping for or and I think this is what we'd all probably assume a little bit more at the moment that the fact that this is a college quarterback playing under a college head coach who has no NFL experience and was caught on camera saying Jesus it's really hard to play in the NFL all these teams are just like Alabama um, that maybe Jacksonville are having a little bit of a crisis of leadership here because um, like this was like the Jacksonville team last year would have won this game probably but like it felt like that lead was a precious flower but it mm. felt you know that it could be blown away any second and it dutifully was by by Kyler Murray like the 79 lead was built on one good drive which Jacksonville seemed to have one every week and then obviously that uh, kick six uh, a glorious beautiful moment of NFL history uh, one of the I think, three plays uh, that have been 109 yards in NFL history truly beautiful and it cannot be said enough how how much that that that, that was <laughs> So much that made me uh, extremely happy, uh, basically. <laughs> uh, but then uh, to start the second half, when I think uh, Arizona got a game, got a got a score back uh, towards the end of the, the, the sorry, they got a score back, and then it kind of felt like okay, Jacksonville, just keep your calm, don't panic. They then do a flea flicker from their own twenty, and it turns into a pick six. Um, it was just a situation where the flea flicker didn't fool anyone, um, and. Lawrence should have thrown it away, but he saw his tight end open in inverted commas, and then Byron Murphy went back with the ball, and then from that point on, it didn't feel like they were ever going to lose the game, and yeah, basically, AJ Green and Christian Kirk racked up a bunch of yards, uh, they had a bunch of easy uh, touchdowns, James Conner got two, Kyler Murray got one for himself on the ground, so yeah, I think for Jacksonville, there was one beautiful moment where it felt like maybe things were going to turn around, but uh, I and uh, perhaps the rest of this podcast are, are firmly on the fire Meyer bandwagon. Um, it's definitely happening sooner rather later, or certainly should, to be honest. Oh, 100%. 100%. Um, I suppose we'll move over to the dump-off and let you run through a couple of the other games that are happening this week. Yeah, Indianapolis at Tennessee, 16-25. to We said Indy had the win this game. They didn't because, you know, Tennessee are like, hey, that, that, Derrick Henry, King Henry, he's pretty good. So give it to him, get a whole nearly 150 yards and a search of control of the AFC South. Uh, look, Tannehill was very up and down, three touchdowns, but two turnovers and the, like, the wide receiver also to fumble. So like it's not like Tennessee are making their life easy here, but when you're up against a Carson Wentz with two sprained ankles who can barely move, um, and you basically just saw so many times he was in the pocket, tried to move around, couldn't run, and it's just 
he's just not that type of quarterback to begin with. It just was very poor for Indianapolis. They just feel like a solid team that nothing is quite going right for them this season. And at 0-3, I don't think they're going anywhere anywhere fast. Uh, but they maybe they'll get a nice quarterback in the draft next year. Atlanta at the Giants, 17-14. An awful game. Uh, won by a young way Koo 40-yard field goal. As like Matty's ice kind of showed up again. Uh, maybe he was like in the fridge. Uh, the later part of this game as you know but like to be fair Cordell Patterson is his best weapon at the moment who had like 82 yards so that gives you an indication where Atlanta are right now look the Giants had two red zone chances early in this game that they blew and that they only turned into six points I believe and look Danny Dines isn't having the turnovers but they just feel like a very uninspiring team without the turnovers rather than a terrible team and I don't really think they're doing much to make you excited for this offense going forward Saquon had a touchdown but was under three yards of carry so this was nice because he has had one since 2019 uh, like the Giants had, are having fewer mistakes it just makes more obvious that they're not a very good team New Orleans at New England 28-13 a pretty decisive win for New Orleans with their defense with three interceptions and two sacks and Kamara with over 100 yards and a touchdown doing most of the work as Jameis and Taysom Hill together could be one below average quarterback if you combine them together uh, 128 and two touchdowns for Jameis uh, but like one of those touchdowns was him falling backwards and just heaving it up old Jameis style and he got very lucky uh, that Marcus Callaway saved his bacon there Look, I think New England right now are one of the least interesting teams to watch. They're playing a version of offensive football that is completely dire based on short passes and running the ball. And they're not that great at either of them. Uh, like, Mac Jones had three interceptions this game. To be fair, one of them was because Johnny Smith like kept dropping the ball uh, once into straight into the hands of the defender, one out of six. And, and obviously, when you're having that situation, you get into a hole, it makes your life difficult. But overall, New England on both sides of the ball are just very dull, very uninteresting. You know, the preseason hype they have is definitely deflated at this point. And I certainly don't want to see them play any extra games. Uh, I don't want to see them in the playoffs. Um, New Orleans, <laughs> who fucking knows week to week? It's very Jameis right now. Seattle at Minnesota, 17-30. to 30. Uh, What felt like we'd be talking a lot more about based on the first half where it was 17-21 to 21 going in and both teams' offenses were blasting it out. But second half, Seattle's offense disappeared. Uh, Minnesota's offense got going. Madison ended up, Alexander Madison, like uh, playing instead of Davin Cook because of an injury. Uh, it had 170 yards. And Cousins was busy as just a slice and dice the Seahawks defense at will with both Jefferson uh, getting over 100 yards in a touchdown and the tight end Conklin going for 70 in a touchdown. It just basically felt like he could pass within the short and intermediate range, particularly in the middle of the field at will. And you're wondering, well, maybe that's where the strong safety should be. But uh, Jamal Adams doesn't really play like that. So uh, uh, that's just uh, maybe some questionable uh, defensive scheming going on there. Russell was good in the first half and nearly at 300 yards in this game, but disappeared mostly in the second half. But like, to be honest, I don't think it's the issue with him. The defense is really bad based on what we saw in the second half of last year in the sec- and most of this game. Um, and there has to be major concerns about the Seahawks going forward as a playoff contender. Philly at Dallas, 21-41, Monday Night Football. Look, Dak dominated this game. Uh, he had three touchdowns. He had a fumble. And the run game still seen is back to form with 155 yards and two touchdowns between Elliott and Pollard. Uh, but look, look, Dallas just dominated this game from end to end. Uh, the only misstep on their side was that McCarthy still doesn't understand the clock as they basically miss out on having a field goal. Um, chance at the end of the first half due to his ineptitude. Uh, Hertz was game, he was definitely trying but he had two touchdowns and two turnovers 360 yards all purpose but uh, look the early deficit took away the run game. I think they had uh, three runs which uh, is a record low in NFL history 
from your running backs and they had like seven first half flags so just a lot of self-harm by the Philadelphia Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys were more than happy to take the advantage of that and get away with the win an important win in the division 6-26 to 26, that's Cleveland's win over Chicago um, Baker was fine 250 yards touchdown um, as Kareem Hunt was the star here with 155 yards of touchdown but uh, Chubb and OBJ pitched in with around 80 yards each and the whole thing just kept keep ticking it wasn't a very impressive win but they were just facing a Chicago team that literally could do nothing with the ball because Miles Garrett who had four and a half sacks which was half of the nine sacks that they had uh, on the Cleveland side and 15 QB hits it was a pretty bad day for Joseph Fields he was basically under complete duress for the entire game he had 80 yards in this game in total and that that that's what he had positively if you take away negative yards for for uh sacks and stuff like that i think you have some truly horrendous numbers but we'll give him the 80 yards he actually did get and the offense just didn't exist and if the d hadn't been pretty solid this could have been even more embarrassing and if, if cleveland wanted to step up a gear they probably could have made this even more embarrassing but for for cleveland they get the win for chicago major questions as manneggy's indicated that any of andy dalton justin fields oh or Nick Foles could start next week. Uh, fun times. Uh, Washington at Buffalo, 21-43. Josh Allen, 3-6-7, 5 touchdowns. Back to his shredding form that he had of last year. As Beasley and Sanders had two touchdowns. Uh, sorry, Beasley and Sanders were both over 100 yards. And the Buffalo defense was opportunistic. Heineke just didn't look in place there because this Buffalo defense is majorly improved over last year and it's definitely a force to be reckoned with. And look, this this score is uh, flattering to Washington because they had one long uh, touchdown uh, for the running back Gibson. They had one short field they got a touchdown on due to a special teams mistake uh, by Buffalo. Uh, overall, Washington were just overall dominated and their vaunted D, zero sacks, zero turnovers, still missing in action. Carolina Houston Thursday night football 24 to 9 Darnell ground this out with 300 yards overall um, with, with Moore being the star 126 yards look, look this wasn't a particularly fun game to watch uh, or to see the highlights of even uh, after CMC went out uh, early on in this game but look Carolina they were able to still get production they still had enough yards and their defense is a legit unit four sacks under 200 yards allowed like Davis Mills isn't I think terrible but He's a third-round rookie thrown in at short notice. He was definitely overawed by that, but at least he didn't turn the ball over. I thought that's the best thing you can say. And uh, But like the gulf in talent between these two organizations and where they are in their respective rebuilds was very obvious. So uh, an easy win for Carolina and uh, probably on to more substantial challenges going forward. And speaking of getting easy games, Denver 26-0 over the Jets. Teddy B basically hadn't do anything um, as the defense did most of the work. Five sacks, two interceptions. Around 150 yards allowed. God, it's just pretty depressing to be a Jets fan right now. <laughs> they were just ground to dust at mile high and have just like, been you know, taken with the wind into the mountains, the Rockies. Um, Wilson, 160 yards, two, two interceptions. There's just nothing there right now. They, they, they lost their best left tackle. They've lost some defenders, but the overall team is just so poor. And yeah, if you're a Jets fan, it's pretty depressing. Uh, they very much, if Jacksonville wasn't there, they'd definitely be bottom of the hierarchy. And uh, given what happened last year, I suppose we shouldn't be that surprised. So yeah, yeah. that's the dump off. Uh, some really bad games, some interesting games. <laughs> and uh, yeah, hopefully we'll see less of this next week. Excellent. So let's go and take some questions from the listeners. 
So I suppose uh, makes sense. These are coming in now. It's been three weeks. Uh, time for some some mea culpas. So first question comes in. Says so far this season, what have we been most wrong about? Um, well, yeah, like I said, I was pretty wrong on the Panthers. I thought that they were going to be pretty bad, and they'd be good. I also I gave I gave Treddy Bridgewater an awful lot of shit. Um, I still don't think he's playing particularly well, but I think he's playing probably better than I thought. But I will, I will stand over. I think people are way over-egging the Denver Broncos because they've won three games, but the teams they've played haven't won a single game. Like yeah, like like, like I don't think you. I don't think the Denver hype train has got got, got going quite yet. I think they they'll need to get a win against a real team to do that. But look for me, uh, there's so many to choose from. Like my uh, predicted hype train this year was Jamar Chase. I'm already looking <laughs> like an idiot. But my surprise package team, the Washington football team, I'm already looking <laughs> uh, like to, to, to be fair with with that, like when you've got your court, quarterback injuries, kind of kill that. Like, because unless they've actually got like a lot, a lot of the Washington fun was built on the fact that Fitzmagic was there. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence, offensive rookie of the year. I'm kind of looking like an idiot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like look, uh, like a lot to choose from there. But Jamar Chase, uh, that's definitely the biggest egg all over my face. A big yeah. disgrace. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's um, I'm trying to think of like other ones. I've been right on a lot of the other ones. Um, I can think of. I think the. I think like to be fair, that's a lot to be wrong, but I'm sure there'll be more. And it's only three weeks in, but like, look, yeah, I think I think those are probably enough to be going off. To be honest, I'd say yeah. No, that's, 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 do we need to expose all our failures? Hopefully not. No, because I'm sure we'll probably do. We'll we'll have a, we'll have a mid point of the season review after eight or nine weeks uh, it's really hard maybe we need to do it like one in between week eight and week nine now that it's a 17 week season or something like yeah. that there I'm not sure um, yeah okay and then the the, the, the follow up question is uh, what are the, what are our new fresh hot takes for the next couple of weeks so uh, what what are, what are our new kind of predictions anything that you've decided over the last couple of weeks that's, uh, that's, that you're going to jump on board with now I think uh, Sean had the Chargers a surprise package team. I'd be happy to jump onto that bandwagon. Uh, I think overall, I'm afraid to make any more predictions. But uh, my hot take, my like, I'm very worried as a Seattle fan. I do genuinely think they may be on the precipice of losing a couple of divisional games and and being mm. a uh, bad team effectively going forward. And I really don't want to say that, but uh, what I saw the last two weeks is extremely worrying for me. They could easily go 0 and 3 over the next three weeks. That's not great, there. Yeah. Um... I'm liking the I'm like I'm liking that my my recurring Cincinnati prediction is coming true, and in fact, as we'll get to the picks in a minute, I believe we're all universally picking them to win Thursday night football, which would bring them to three and one with an away victory over the pick uh, over the Steelers, which would be a great spot for them to be in. Um, I don't know. I think um, yeah. There's the Car- if CMC had stayed healthy, I'd be on the Carolina train, but yeah. I just can't I can't buy it without him, bro. No, of course. Um. I'm I'm also feeling, and this is probably more of an immediate one, but like, I got a feeling Kansas City are gonna have a bit of a tougher road this year. Uh, but I think it's gonna they're gonna shake some of the dust off next week, and I think they're going to kick seven shades of shite out of Philadelphia. Well, he, he, here's a hot take, Connor, because this is your boys, Bengals. They play the Jags and the Lions in the next three weeks. Seems that they're good, but their other game is against the Green Bay Packers. You willing Ooh. to say they go three and over the next three weeks? Oh, that'd be that'd be some performance, wouldn't it? Um, are they at home or are they away for the Green Bay game? They're at home. Uh, okay, okay, <laughs> okay. Do you know what? I I probably I probably will. I probably will for the crack. 
put them in there. I'm gonna yeah. lock them up. You're gonna lock them up <laughs> for three straight ones. Uh, at least, at least they're gonna go. They're, they're gonna go at least two and one over that period anyway, and that's gonna be huge. Like, because then you'll be, yeah, Cincinnati, baby. They're, 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 they're the place to be. Um, yeah, Detroit. Yeah, yeah. We were kind of right on a lot of that stuff. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll leave. We'll leave it there for the questions for the moment. We'll get some more specific ones. I thought, yeah, it's probably probably time we accept that we made a couple of mistakes in our predictions. Um, although, uh, as we're going into our game picks now, uh, I had a great week last week on the game picks. You did. Yeah, I think my best one I've had in a few years, probably at this point. Uh, let's move on. Have a look at the picks for this week. Okay, so first up, Thursday Night Football, Jacksonville at the Cincinnati Bengals. We've gone for the Bengals across the board here. It's fairly straightforward. Jacksonville are terrible. We've said we've discussed them twice already, I think, about uh, coaching issues and just getting up to speed issues. Uh, Cincinnati, on the other hand, have been looking good. Their defense rounding into form. Played a great game against uh, against Pittsburgh there. Um, coming off a high of that, and they're at home, and it's Thursday Night Football, so we're going to lock that one up. Uh, Tennessee at the New York Jets. and Ronan, we've gone for Tennessee. Uh, what did you say? The Jacksonville are terrible? Well, the Jets are also terrible. So I imagine <laughs> Tennessee will use King Henry to get up early. Julio Jones will probably make a cameo. And they can probably rest A.J. Brown for a week because he's dealing with some injury stuff because this is basically a buy for Tennessee. And uh, if the Jets even make this a contest, I would be incredibly surprised. They're just a sad-looking team right now. And Tennessee, they're riding atop the AC side after a bad week one. No, of course. Uh, Cleveland at Minnesota. Uh, me and you have gone for Cleveland, and Sean has gone for Minnesota in this one. Uh, look, it's an interesting enough game. Cleveland are a very good team. Their run game is very powerful. They've had some highs and lows on the passing game, we'll say. Uh, but the defense has looked overall very good, as you said. I think it was was it uh, nine sacks in the last game or something like that. Um, Minnesota, on the other hand, looking. You know, uh, they play they play decently. They put up good numbers, but they're never overly exciting. Um, and I've got my personal vendetta against them. I think Cleveland are a winning team, <laughs> and uh, Minnesota don't beat winning teams generally. Um, I'm sorry for that for that what that implies for your Seahawks. Unfortunately, well, I'm already <laughs> implying it myself. Like, look, like I think Minnesota are better than expected this year. They're they're certainly playing solid football, and Kirk Cousins is not making his his usual mistakes. He just seems to be playing clean. Uh, effective football the run game seems to be going I think the big thing for them seems to be the offensive line seems to be that step up that's been over the last couple of years and I think that's making a huge difference both the pass game and also keeping the run game at the level it was previously I think that to me that's the big advantage for them the defense is still so-so it hasn't, isn't really a huge problem over, the, over any of the other ones in the uh, late Mike Zimmer era but like I look I think we I think like on paper and based on the form book that this is a close game but I believe in Cleveland hopefully they get Jarvis Landry back OBJ look pretty solid they got Chubb they got Hunt Baker yeah I mean I haven't been completely happy with how he's played this year but I think this is a great opportunity against a not amazing defense to show up and take a bit more pressure on their shoulders and have a big game and win an important game for Cleveland on the road because they can't afford to drop games with Baltimore and maybe the Cincinnati Bengals hanging around in the AFC North yeah no of course next up we have uh, Detroit at Chicago me and you have gone for Detroit and Sean has gone for Chicago look this is not going to be a very exciting game to watch Detroit are okay uh, Chicago oh good god like Chicago was it last week ended with net one yard of offense yeah it was something bad like that yeah it yeah. was pretty fucking ridiculous like, it, 
it's it's not great. Justin Fields is in. Maybe they game plan a bit better with him being in and being planned to be in. Although, like they said, they've left it open to one of three or four options. Like, fuck knows what's I, happening. <laughs> like, you, you always say, like, what is it? Uh, if you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterback. Well, if you have three quarterbacks, you must have minus quarterback. Yeah, that's almost <laughs> certainly right. Um, but, yeah, look, this is going to be a messy one. Detroit, this is a good chance for Detroit to steal a game, um, particularly on the road against an individual rival. This would be great for them to do it. Um, they've not been terrible. They've been getting some production out of their stuff. Um, it's a rare occasion I'm going to be picking them to win a game, but I'm thinking this is this is one of them. Um Kansas City at Philly is up next. We've gone for Kansas City across the board. Um, yeah, I mentioned this. I think I think this isn't going to be a close game. I think this is if any, if Kansas City are going to get right, it's going to be by like going to town on a team like this. Yeah, Josh Gordon, two hundred yards. That'd be fantastic. Off, activated it? off the practice squad on Friday, but like, look, like, yeah, I think Philly. Look, I don't think they're a bad team. Not at all. Not a, they're not a good team. Like, they're just they're just okay. And Jalen Hurts, as a quarterback, is just okay. He makes some really good splash plays. He's obviously a really good threat with his legs. But just the kind of moving the chains, doing the solid things, making long drives, he just doesn't seem to have that in his repertoire right now. Now, And for whatever reason, Philly just don't want to run the ball with their running backs. They, they don't seem to be willing to take advantage of what it's... Well, it looked like a really good running game in week one. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, they had those mistakes against San Francisco, but, like, still, the amount that they use... And the, the flags they had this week against Dallas, they're just a team that... They, they can't seem to knock it out of their own way, and Kansas City, despite having some of those issues their own, are just so much more talented that if both teams are making mistakes, I just think Kansas City are far more likely to be able to outplay them, whereas Philly... You know, they're a mediocre team. They can't afford those. So I wouldn't be like 100% for KC, uh, but it's very high in the 90s. Yeah. Uh, Washington, Atlanta. I've gone for Atlanta. You've gone for Washington. Yeah, this is just not a, a great game. Another NFC East opponent for Atlanta. And I don't expect it to be much more fun than the, the Giants game. Look, Washington right now, Heineke, uh, he's very meh. He's not terrible, but he's very meh. And the defense is literally doing nothing. But... Look, if they have any chance of showing up uh, Chase and Sweat, then it should be against what is a very bad Atlanta offensive line and a passing attack that's currently being headed by Coradell Patterson. Um, like Cal- like the big thing for Atlanta is they don't seem to have a deep attack at the moment. I don't know if that's because Matty Ice, his arm is busted, or I don't know if that's because he's under pressure too quick. But for whatever reason, the explosiveness that we expect of Atlanta does not exist right now. And I expect Washington, therefore, to win a fairly grindy game because if it comes down to a battle of the grind, then I think Washington are still a little bit better placed to win that type of a contest. Yeah, Houston at Buffalo. We've got for Buffalo across the board. Look, Buffalo are playing fantastically. Houston have fallen back to where we kind of expected them to be, and they're on their third string quarterback, I suppose, technically. Well, Even, well like, like, on pay, on pay, uh, like, yeah, look, he's the second string, but he's the third string. Like, we. we <laughs> you know what I mean um, and they don't really have that much quality outside of it I expect Buffalo to kind of romp that one if we're honest uh, next up's my pick of the week Carolina Dallas um, Dallas have been very feisty looking good we want to see some more of the production out of them uh, what they do with the run game against what has been a very stout Carolina defence uh, just added another piece on the back end which they'll need against this passing attack uh, with, 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 with so many essentially wide receiver ones on this Dallas team Carolina on the other hand like I said in my Mia culpa they are much better than I was expecting them to be 
they actually got some good production out of Tuba, uh, Tuba after he they came in to replace CMC, and uh, I would like to see what they can do with him in place or how much of it is actually reliant on CMC being there. Uh, yeah, no, it's I think it's, I think it's an interesting game. I think it's a good kind of measuring stick for both of these teams as well because I'd understand uh, and we've all taken thousands and I understand why Carolina would lose this with CMC out but it's also see how competitive it is how they play against each other and whether or not parts of their game fall apart so I'm really excited to see that one uh, next up Indianapolis at Miami yeah like neither of these teams are, are bad they're obviously dealing with quarterback issues like they're okay teams but they're just very difficult teams to watch right now mm. Indianapolis obviously with Carson Wentz's two broken feet um, Jacoby Brissett kind of having maybe like one quarter of good play so yeah not a very interesting game I think we go for Miami just because that Carson Wentz situation is very yeah. very bad and Indianapolis just seem to be losing it in any way they can at the moment no, 100%. Uh, Giants at New Orleans. New Orleans across the board. Uh, yeah, look, the Giants, the experiment doesn't seem to be going very well this year there. Um, so I imagine that they will be moving on from Danny Dimes after this. New Orleans, look, flip a coin. Uh, I would have gone the other way, except that it's the Giants on the other side, and it's hard to just kind of go, okay, definitely not in that case. It's, uh, yeah, look, it's a spot where New Orleans have done it twice now against teams that are better than the Giants but also have the ability to just fuck it up entirely so who knows but I would imagine at home although not really at home yet if I'm right in thinking uh, they're still playing in in uh, Texas at the moment aren't they? Uh, I think they're back at this Oh point. they're back at this one okay so this is the actual yeah, I think there was some uh, Instagrams where they're saying great to be back so I, I hope they're back this year Yeah yeah um, but yeah I can't really see the Giants making it over this unless something major changes from the last one Seattle at San Fran, this is a very interesting one. Like you said, this is the start of your kind of tough run against some divisional opponents. Um, Seattle haven't been... There have been flashes of greatness, and I particularly like, you know, how how free Lockett was getting on some of the scheming and stuff like that was, was remarkable. And this is a San Fran team that's not firing on all cylinders, but I'm, uh, I'm finding it hard to see beyond San Fran here, and I think all three of us are in agreement on that. Yeah, like, look, I'm a Seahawks fan. I go out to the bat for them, but this is not one of my hey, pick the opposite because then you won't feel too bad if they lose it. This is just a situation where, look, Seattle have had good first halves. They were leading against Tennessee. They had, like, they were only behind by four points in that first half against Minnesota, and there was a couple of small mistakes that kind of cost them that. Um, so the offense is looking great in the first half. The defense has been questionable in nearly all phases except against Carson Wentz in Indianapolis. Um, so it's just a situation where the defense is very very poor right now and Kyle Shanahan even with all the injury issues and having to rely on Kyle Juszczyk as a running back and you know some drops and Jimmy G kind of being off form I still expect can conjure enough offense to take advantage of a defense which just doesn't seem to be going anywhere like we saw Seattle's defense you know make adjustments last year to avoid being the worst defense in NFL history but I don't know if they can pull that conjuring trick again Uh, so overall I just think you know Kyle Shanahan can get this done and yeah, Seattle will probably put up some points, but they need to do it consistently, and they need to play in the goddamn second half. Yeah, uh, more exciting there. Arizona versus the Rams is our next game. This is a big one. Uh, obviously, the Rams coming off a big statement win there last week against the Tampa Bay. Arizona have been playing incredibly well, but again, bringing back in some of the inconsistencies that plagued them for the last year or two. Um, but they're still just that kind of can turn it on in a heartbeat and, and, and really explode. I've gone for the Rams in this one, but that's mostly because I think 
they've got the type of defensive personnel that can kind of cause issues and I believe have caused issues for this Arizona team in the past but also I just get a feeling they're at home they've got that little bit more swagger and their offense looks to me like an offense that's starting to reach a point where look the run game's not doing a huge amount for them but the pass game is doing pretty well and that they could go even if this turns into a little bit of a boat race they could kind of go toe to toe and in that spot I'd take the chance of an LA Rams uh, turning the ball over against an errant Kyler throw being the difference particularly when they're at home yeah and the Rams feel like they're 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 ramping up like they are getting better every week Matt Stafford is getting more comfortable every week and the defense as long as Donald and Ramsey stay healthy is one of the better defenses in the league it's not perfect there's obviously holes there you can take advantage of them but they are still a good defense so I think the Rams on the form book have to be there but Arizona you know obviously they're 3-0 but they have been spectacularly up and down in all all of their games like they you know had Jacksonville leading them um, you know going into the, the second half last week Minnesota they needed Minnesota to miss a, a late field goal to win their game but obviously we just know that much like their quarterback at any given moment they can explode at any given moment they can go for like a 50-yard run off Kyler a 70-yard bomb to, to Kirk or AJ Green apparently um, or people like that or or Rondale Moore can do something so Arizona are one of the crazier teams in the NFL one of the most entertaining teams in the NFL so I give them a chance at any given Sunday but if you're talking consistency a team that seems to have a winning formula and a coach that I trust then I trust the Rams and I think they can get it done at home yeah no I'm with you on that Pittsburgh at Green Bay we've gone for Green Bay across the board look this, yeah tell me about this one yeah, look, it should be a premium matchup, but it isn't because Pittsburgh right now look like an absolute dumpster fire, and Green Bay, after a wobbly week one, look like they're back on form. Unless TJ Watt is back, I expect Aaron Rodgers to have his way with this defense, just like uh, we saw last week from Cincinnati. And yeah, with Big Ben, Pittsburgh aren't going nowhere fast, so Green Bay across the board. Yeah, Baltimore, Denver. Uh, we've both gone for Baltimore, and Sean's gone for Denver, because he's not here to hear me tell him that their opponents are 0-9. Um, yeah, look, Baltimore haven't looked great <laughs> of late. I feel like you're so disappointed you don't have a foil for your anti-Denver agenda. Yeah, I know, because he was getting really pro-Denver. Because I, I was going to say, like, he was going to jump, he was going to immediately be his, his hot pick for the next three weeks is Denver, guarantee it. Um, but yeah, no. You'll be, be strutting in next week if they do manage to win, though. Oh, yeah, well, he doesn't get to do that because he has to be here and put, you know, <laughs> you can't, you can't post hoc say, oh, I would have said this, you know. Um, okay, You're Bal- saying the, 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 the family thing is just a ruse and he's just doing this to, to pick Denver so he doesn't have to defend it next week okay. yeah, yeah exactly that, that, that's, that seems excessive but maybe um, <laughs> Baltimore have not been very good in the last little while but they've been able to pull out and win their matches they're going into a Denver team that has been dominant winning its matches but hasn't really had to play a game of football yet so I'm going to take Baltimore in this but this is a Denver team that matches up well against them and has the kind of pieces that can cause them trouble particularly with their semi-faltering pass game of late you'd hope that you know Hollywood Brown would be able to not miss the three touchdowns that he did this week and put up a better showing but um, yeah I'm just not sure if Denver's offense is going to be up to the task here yeah, like we don't know how good Denver is, so that, that gives you reason that, to pick them if, if you want to. It is in mile high as well, which we know is a major advantage because of the altitude. Mm. So I wouldn't dismiss Denver out of hand, but like, look, Justin, what I seem Justin to Tucker been... to get a 70 yarder this week, then, is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, him and McManus are fighting it out for the longest field goal of this week. But like, look, yeah, like with, with Teddy Bridgewater, it's, it's not the most exciting offense, but it is functional right now, so we'll see 
how good they are when uh, when they face a real challenge this week. But uh, for now, we're willing to trust Baltimore. Yeah, Tampa Bay at New England. Um, you know the 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 what's the term the the apprentice returns to the seat of the master or whatever. This is Darth Vader meeting the Emperor. <laughs> This is uh, whatever. I didn't actually watch the tail end of the, the most recent three. So whoever those people were the equivalents of. Um, yeah, Tom Brady's coming in. I think they just brought back the Emperor. But uh, yeah. Uh, but he was but he was also Snook or something. I don't remember. Um, yeah, so Tampa Bay coming off a loss to the Rams are now on the road at New England. And god poor new england i can't i can't help but think this is going to be a bit of a bit of a battering they're about to take matt jones has looked more of a rookie in the last week or so and uh i like this is a pretty good tampa bay defense and this is a pretty good like top brady and a pretty you know uh anxious to make a statement type team uh whereas new england look it'll be big for them and that kind of stuff but it's uh it's hard to see them getting over the hump of what is still, even given the loss, still one of the top four or five teams, at least. Uh, and then to top it all off, isn't it, that Tom Brady's going to pass the milestone for most passing yards? Um, mm. Almost certainly during the second quarter of this game. Yeah, like, I'm even more worried about Mac Jones, and this is probably way too early, but he didn't look like a rookie. He looks like a backup. He doesn't mm. have the arm talent, doesn't have anything special. Maybe he'd be a starter like 20 years ago, but when we look around at the quarterbacks that are succeeding these days, they're either exceptional freaks like Tom Brady who are able to read the game at an elite level to see things before they happen, or they're people who have other traits, other hero, like superhero traits that allow them to break games um, at, at will, like you know, from Pat Mahomes to Russell Wilson scrambling Pat Mahomes' arm, uh, you know, uh, Kyler Murray's ability, um, you know, just just very few quarterbacks who succeed like Mac Jones most of them ride the bench and like look and the offense right now is just a very mediocre offense the run game has moments but overall isn't amazing uh, the defense had a few breakdowns against New Orleans that are, are concerning they just don't look like a elite defense right now they don't have Stephen Gilmore for example it's just yeah overall New England are just a, a thoroughly mediocre team with what feels like a thoroughly mediocre or even below mediocre quarterback and Tampa Bay have Tom Brady Tampa Bay have Mike Evans Chris Godwin they might have Antonio Brown back Gronk I think is expected to be back the, the injury thankfully wasn't too serious and yeah look that the, the backfield is a complete screw up but like Mac Jones isn't really designed to take advantage of that uh, and you know the run game doesn't exist but look Tom Brady Tampa Bay they scored a bunch of points against uh, you know most of the teams they faced they had plenty of yards against the Rams they just got them a better team but New England are not a better team so it's hard not to pick Tampa Bay yeah. or Tampa Bay yeah. Tampa Bay versus uh, New England oh well and uh, Monday Night Football this is your pick of the week uh, an AFC West clash the Vegas Raiders versus the LA Chargers uh, this is mm. gonna be tasty you're you're like uh, Godzilla let them fight you know yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the only good thing about this game for you is that uh, someone's got to lose. So, uh, and I suppose you probably. I, 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 did, I, did, anyway. I, I did briefly consider uh, guessing a tie, but yeah, not going to happen. Like, look, like this, this is a really, really big game for both these teams. Obviously, 
riding high, um, you know, Chargers over their big win against Kansas City to put them uh, just behind the, the, the Raiders and Denver. Um, and obviously they'll now want to push on from that and not have a regression, which would be obviously an incredibly Chargers move to lose this game after uh, beating your, your long-time rival, the Chiefs. And it's not like the Raiders are, are anyone's pushover. We, they're obviously 3-0. and They've beaten the, the Ravens. They had a, you know, they beat Pittsburgh and Miami, whatever. I mean, that's less impressive. But they're still, they've been winning their games, albeit in very, uh, you know, up and down, very confusing fashion, perhaps making their life more difficult than you need. But like the Chargers, they also make their life more difficult. So I think regardless of anything else I want to say about this game, definitely both teams will do things that make their lives more difficult than they should actually do. Um, I think, you know, I've been waiting for uh, the Justin Herbert explosion game last week. Close, you know, lots of touchdowns, not so many yards. But I think against this Las Vegas defense, which has definitely improved and is definitely getting pressure on quarterbacks, I think their defensive backfield um, is a major issue for them. So I wouldn't be surprised to see someone like Justin Herbert, the first kind of deep pocket passer, that someone who can throw it deep, can sling it, um, actually start taking advantage of that and take advantage of the, the defensive backs that they have um, and actually rack up a lot of points. Mike Williams is in great form. Keenan Allen is in great form. Um, Austin Eckler is a threat out of the backfield. So... I'm actually of the opinion that the Chargers are going to put up a lot of points. It's just a matter of whether we think Derek Carr can keep up the form against uh, Joey Bosa and the lads and keep up the points to keep up with them and make this a competitive game. Um, but for, I think the, like, the Raiders definitely have earned some respect. They don't look like uh, the kind of collapse team that they've... Like, they had so many collapses last season. The fact that they've managed to win two games in OT is a huge step up for them. Um, but I think the Chargers might be a step too far for them. I'm just that excited for Herbert um, to have that big outgo game. I'm willing to, to put my line in here and uh, say they can beat a solid, uh, pretty good, prob- possibly playoff-level uh, Vegas team. Yeah, I must say, I'm enjoying how, uh, enjoying how competitive the AFC West is, is this year so far. Um, this should be a great one. Uh, one that I'll be sorely tempted to actually get up and watch it live as well but I think it'll probably be more of a get up and watch pre-work that day um, kind of set up but yeah no, very very exciting altogether so any crack with yourself then for the next uh, next few days you said you're, 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 you're off on Holliers is this off to Galway yeah so off to, to Galway uh, for a birthday on Saturday uh, but I'll probably head up on Friday uh, but otherwise than that yeah looking forward to that and then uh, yeah, uh, probably get back to Cork in time for the old uh, NFL on the way back. So yeah, just a fun weekend and uh, yeah, the big project out of the way. So can just get on to thinking about the future again. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> or at nice. least a future that's not delimited by some specific fixed point in time. Yeah, I get you. I get you. Yeah, no, I'm. Uh, I'm kind of probably mostly chilling out. Got a Dungeons and Dragons game on the Saturday, a bit of football on the Sunday, and a load of. Nice. moving house prep uh, which is already starting to get underway I'm actually I'm in that awkward stage though because there's so much so many bits of work to be done in my house and I'm kind of like I, I like I'm itching to start packing up the stuff here but I just have it in boxes here and there's not really space in my current place to keep boxes because I can't really move it over until like I've painted the rooms or like done the floors or whatever so I'm in that awkward middle ground where there's work that needs doing but I don't have enough space to do it <laughs> Yeah, like the sooner you get the whole move done, the the faster. But uh, you know, you still gotta get that moment where the keys go into your hand and you can finally let that sigh of relief. I know, for, for all purposes, you're ninety nine point nine nine percent win. I know, but I'm still, I'm still waiting till that. Until you still have the keys for in your hand. <laughs> still one hundred percent waiting for it. <laughs> Don't wanna falcons yourself. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. But yeah, so for now, it's bye for myself, bye for Roman.
Bye. It's been our four quarters. Thanks for listening. We'll chat to you next week.